Gracious Father, we thank you for speaking to us in the reading of your word. And we ask now that we might be able to leave aside uh, the concerns uh, of, uh, of these day-to-day things and that we might be able to spend time in your word. Please give us understanding and please, Father, by your spirit, change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. A lady is looking for a parking spot. It's proving to be difficult. After driving her car around the car park for a while, she does something which she doesn't usually do. She decides she'll pray. So she says to God, look, God, it's really hard for me to find a parking spot here. I would really appreciate it if you could help me out. Moments later, a parking spot appears in front of her. So she says to God, hey, God, don't worry about the parking spot. I found one. Have you ever, like the woman in that joke, used God as a vending machine? Coming to God for what you can get and forgetting even to thank him when you receive it. Uh, If so, have you ever wondered what is God's attitude to being taken for granted? In today's passage uh, from John's Gospel, we see Jesus' response to this treatment of being taken for granted. Uh, There's an outline of my talk uh, inside the yellow booklet and just on the previous page, of course, there's the, the passage itself from John's Gospel. Now, you might remember from last week that Jesus and his disciples were on the road traveling from Judea, Jerusalem, in the south of Israel, up to Galilee, which is in the north. And on his way, he spent some time in Samaria and made a very big impact there. But Samaria was not Jesus' mission. It says in verse 43 that after two days in Samaria, he left for Galilee, for, as he himself had pointed out, No prophet uh, has honor in his own country. Galilee is his own country. It's where he grew up. Jesus says, my home country is exactly where they will not honor me. Yet, I must go there. I got to say, I love Jesus saying that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Because it's just one of those really true sayings which captures something about human nature, isn't it? Uh, It doesn't matter how big a splash you've made out there in the world, back in your hometown where people remember you as the snotty-nosed four-year-old running around, they will never be able to take you quite as seriously as you would like, especially if you start styling yourself as a prophet. Oh, really, they'll say. Little Johnny's a prophet now. Jesus knows that they won't honor him as a prophet in his home country. Yet, he must go there. The reception he was given in verse 45 is a surprising one given Jesus' saying because it actually says they welcomed him. But as we'll see, this was a welcome without honor. Enough Galileans had been in Jerusalem and seen Jesus' miracles for them to hope that he might do some amazing things. But 
them welcoming him in, in hope of that is not the same as honor. It's just trying to get something. It's like a, a friend of mine that I knew in university days who had a wonderful house in Darling Point, which provided a great view of the fireworks on New Year's Eve. He had many, many, many friends on New Year's Eve. It would be difficult to know how many of them would have really been there for him in a tight spot. Well, Jesus went to Cana. That's in Galilee. And uh, you could say he's going right back to where it all began because this is where he performed that first miracle, the turning of water into wine. And while he was in Cana, uh, he was met by a royal official. This person is probably an official from the court of Herod, uh, who was the king, in inverted commas, over those parts. Uh, this man... Uh, the, the royal official, I mean, I, I think he's sort of typical of the response that Jesus is getting in Galilee, this welcome but without honour. These people who are narrowly focused on what they can get from Jesus. Now, of course, we can understand uh, this man having a focus on, on his need. His son is at the point of death. Uh, we're, we're told his son is back in Capernaum, which is a, a seaside town by the Sea of Galilee, uh, some miles away. Uh, the man is desperate, and so, of course, he has come out to see Jesus for help. But even then, is it too much to ask that he should give Jesus the honour that's due to him? And that is why Jesus responds to the man with what I call godly exasperation. Unless you people see signs and wonders... You will never believe, says Jesus. You people. Uh, this man is a good representative of what is here in Galilee. Uh, now, some people might simply be wanting the spectacle of the signs and wonders. This man certainly has a, a genuine need. He wants his son to be healed. But either way, they're not coming to Jesus recognizing that he is God's messenger and ready to surrender themselves in joyful obedience to God's Messiah. That's what true faith would be like. Uh, no, they're coming because they have an immediate need and they're wanting to see if he can fix it. The same attitude to Jesus of this welcome without honour is very much alive today. Uh, it's alive in the person who spends most of their life ignoring God but praise when they're desperate, like the woman in my joke earlier. Uh, and, and, and if the prayer is answered, well, they go back to the pattern of ignoring God without even saying thank you and until the next desperate prayer becomes needed. Uh, this attitude is alive in the person who approaches the church to get a child baptised and who makes all the Good noises about how they're going to start coming and start being a member of the congregation. And after the baptism has taken place, we don't see a hide nor hair of them. Uh, this is alive in the person who attends church while they're single. But once they've managed to find themselves a husband or a wife, they don't come anymore. 
what about the person who has a role in the church community from which they derive a sense of purpose? Perhaps they're on the music team or they're in some sort of governance role. But when that comes to an end, well, they don't come to church anymore. But, you know, it's not just among those who stop coming to church that we see this attitude of, of welcoming Jesus for a purpose, but without honor of using Jesus to get something. Now, I, th I think to a degree, even the best Christians are guilty of this. Many of us have come to Jesus because we know he is the only way for us to receive eternal life. And, and, and that is quite true. Jesus' death on the cross in our place is our only hope of escaping from God's wrath. And his resurrection is our only hope of sharing in eternal life. But, you know, it's wrong to use Jesus even for that. If you've believed in Jesus for eternal life, do you honour him? You could even argue that as a whole society, as, as a sort of a Western world, uh, we've used Jesus for as long as we felt we needed him. Many books have been written to show that the modern world we live in is a product of Christianity. Literacy, hospitals, the radical idea of caring for the weak, the idea that humans are all of equal value and dignity. These exist because of Christianity. These good things grew up in the Christian world and then the rest of the world copied them. Yet now the Western world at least is ditching Christianity, which gave them all these things and is claiming that they're all obvious and we would have thought them up anyway. The Western world has used Jesus for as long as we thought we needed him. And now it seems we're ditching him. Well, this desperate father back in, back in Cana, he was not ready to cast Jesus off. He very much needed him. And he didn't seem phased by Jesus' rebuff, did he? Uh, he just, Jesus has said to him, he's, Look, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. But the man doesn't give up. Uh, and he also doesn't make any promises either. He doesn't suddenly start swearing that he's going to follow Jesus from now on. I mean, he doesn't even ask Jesus to increase his faith. He only says, sir, come down now before my child dies. So what is Jesus' attitude to being taken for granted? That's the question being asked here. Have a look at verse 50. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. For this desperate, not particularly deserving man, it was Jesus' compassion which carried the day. Your son will live. And so the man, we're told, took Jesus at his word and he departed. Now, from this point on, things seem to look a little bit up in the passage the man begins to make the right response. I mean, clearly he had already known that Jesus was a person of great power because he came out to see him. And, and when Jesus gave the word, he believed that he had what he was needed. He, he, had, he was content to go home. 
he seemed to believe that Jesus could heal the man from a distance. So he already had understood that Jesus was a person of great power, but now in the wake of the miracle, we're about to see some sign of the sort of faith that Jesus requires. Flaky faith, perhaps, but some signs of faith. Uh, what goes without saying is that the boy was healed. The fever left him. Now, while the royal official was traveling back down the hill from Cana to Capernaum, his servants met him on the road to bring him the good news. They talked about exactly when the fever had left the boy. The remarkable detail that John records, one o'clock in the afternoon, or the seventh hour, as they would call it, is suggestive of a first-hand account here. We've got a record here of the people who were there. But it was when the royal official compared notes with his servants that they realised it was precisely the moment when Jesus had said, your son will live, that the fever left the boy. And so, verse 53, he and his whole household believed. Now, this is good news because, after all, faith, belief, that is what Jesus wants. Jesus said repeatedly that what he is looking for is faith. Now, the faith that he is looking for is not merely to believe that he exists, not even to believe that he's a person of great power, but rather it's the faith which takes him at his word when he says to us that he is the Messiah and the King and the Saviour, the faith which agrees with his assessment that I am a sinner worthy of his condemnation and which relinquishes control of my life to the Lord Jesus. It's to believe fully in Jesus' name and everything that he stands for. That sort of faith would give Jesus the honour that is due to him. And I think that the royal official's family were showing the beginnings of such faith. Will they follow through? Well, we're never told the answer to that question. I suggested right at the start that this Bible passage would show us Jesus' attitude to being taken for granted. Uh, we, we've seen that obviously Jesus does not like it. Nobody does. And yet in his amazing kindness and mercy to a desperate humanity, Jesus was willing to bless here even a person who was taking him for granted. And we saw that that person, by God's grace, was beginning to show the sort of faith that Jesus requires. Now, can you see that every one of us has treated Jesus in that same way? Can you see that we're all guilty of having taken Jesus and our Father God, his Father God, for granted? whether at some point in your life you've explicitly used him in a way that I described before, or whether it's that you simply took all of his day-to-day -day blessings in the creation without saying thank you, or whether you've come to him for eternal life without truly honouring him, can you see that you and I must, just like those people in Galilee in those days, 
have provoked a godly exasperation in Jesus. For him to say, look, these people are only coming to me for what they can get. Yes, if we're honest, we, we have all treated Jesus that way. And yet, in his amazing grace, he has not cast us away. As it says there in our passage from Romans, it was while we were still his enemies that he died for us. I want us to see very clearly that even though Jesus was willing to bless a person who was taking him for granted, and and even though he has operated the same way with us, obviously it's not the way that it should be. What Jesus wants to see in us is faith, the faith that hands my life over to him. The faith that the royal official was beginning to show, though we cannot know how it turned out. What would it mean for you today to honour the Lord Jesus who has been so good to you? It certainly would mean showing the faith which takes him at his word when he tells us that he is indeed the Messiah and the Saviour, the only way to God, and the one who demands our loyalty and our obedience. Jesus was a prophet without honour in his hometown. But amongst us, may he be a prophet and indeed the Son of God, who is given the honour which is due to him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are completely undeserving of your love. You who sent your son into the world to die for us while we were still your enemies. Father, we know that we have in so many ways been guilty of taking you for granted. But we ask, please, that by your spirit, that you might do the work in us so that we might not take you for granted, but might give you and your son, Jesus Christ, the honor which is due to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.